Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a f***ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing 10 years. So it's just myself and Keane um, in the studio today. Conan's off sick. Now I don't want to link this sickness with Derry lifting the Division 4 um, league title on Saturday. He's too professional for that Keane so we're going to say he's sick. Yeah, did, did you make it in last year after Leash's success? I did. Leash celebrated that. Chrissy McCaig actually looked very embarrassed lifting that cup. Did you see that on TG Cahar? He did a bit, yeah. But he did a bit. It was a bit like, oh, but there was no one from Derry at that no, game. He's, just a mo- he's a modest fella, to be fair to him. Yeah, in fairness, he's been at a div- in a Division 1 final. So maybe it was a little bit weird. But listen, the way I look at it, Leash celebrated it last year. Derry should celebrate. It's still a national title and they should, they should, uh, they should celebrate it. Um, but it's all about Mayo. Because Mayo finally yes, have yeah. uh, won a national title in Croke Park um, against Kerry. Um, they failed a lot of times. And I thought it was interesting that when Dermot O'Connor was interviewed on the pitch, the first question from the presenter was, you've lost six All-Irelands and you've lost three league titles since the last time you won one in 2001. And I was like, Jesus, I don't think I would go down necessarily that road on the first question. But O'Connor batted it away and went... Um, you know, we're not thinking about this. We have a new management team this year and it's about this year for us. And I think that's kind of the way they have to think about it. But the green and red of Mayo came out in Crow Park and it was, you'd need a heart of stone not to feel really good about, about for those Mayo players. Ah, yeah, absolutely. And even the the sort of the scenes that our fans crying and everything after the game, like it was, it was fairly, it was fairly nice to see, particularly when you consider... I suppose for the county alone, but also for the for the group of players, like there's a number of those guys have had to suffer very narrow kind of heartbreaking defeats. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was it was nice to see them get over the line. 
It was. And, and it was, and they, they just about crawled over the line, to be fair. Oh my God, after being such a better team, we'll talk about that in, in part two. How they always do with the hard way, anyways. May, like, were, may were hilarious. They hammered them by two points, you know? <laughs> like it is, it's absolutely crazy. And bloody Tracy Gold, what was he thinking? I would have strung him up. Because James Horan celebrated. Now, James Horan at the full time whistle was perfectly calm because they had it won. He kind of knew then four points up, we have it won then. But you should have seen him when that goal went in. He did a, like, you know, a celebration with your two hands out to the side and he did a, ran a little semicircle and then kind of realised shit I've lost myself here yeah, because yeah. it was just like that was the winning of the game and they nearly fecking threw it away and it was nearly the same old story with Mayo and Tracy had no business going for a goal there that was a hand and that was one point in the world I would say fist the bloody thing over the bar it puts us two up the clock is ticking down Mayo can't beat us with a point they need a goal you have that was the wrong thing he did but like I mean it was a brilliant finish yeah it was <laughs> I don't I don't know where I sit on this one because <laughs> we, we have to review all of our thinking now if we're going to say he <laughs> should have fisted it over no, the bar no this is the one scenario if you're a point up this is probably the last uh, attack of the game there might be one more kick out you fist that bloody ball over the bar to put two in it that's just common sense and he just went again again it's Mayo there's no logic to Mayo also true but I think uh, what you have to look at is they were were, what one point up at the time the goal wins the game if they get a point they can still concede a goal to lose it so I think sometimes you have to be look it, it can work for you it can work against you like if he if he has that shot saved Kerry can go down the field and get an equaliser but I think the bravery should be applauded um, and maybe it's because he's a younger player maybe if it was yeah. one of the older lads who's been uh, through the ring or a bit they would have just fisted it over the bar and got on with it but you know that's what happens when you have youth and, and stuff like that on the field sometimes it works for you and Mayo got the rewards the other day and look fair play to them yeah he was well spotted by Andy Moran who turned around and saw him well but he was also well assisted by poor Graham Sullivan who cramped up and couldn't run after him like I mean it was that was a bit of luck because just before this happened this was all going off the game was completely all over the place positions meant nothing it was so scattered it was just players were playing on instinct trying to win the game it was almost championship fever pitch and the Mayo fans were you know adding to that because the Clifford goal chance because it was so exciting and the Mayo fans were losing their mind that was almost lost in the mayhem it was almost like in the stadium did that goal chance actually yeah. even happen you kind of you kind of missed and this was the most incredible save by Rob Henley who's been much maligned in Croke Park so that happened and then Mayo go down and get a goal like he couldn't write this this was just fantastic drama and excitement yeah yeah and a brilliant way for, for Mayo to finish the game rather than clinging on to just go down and get a clinching score yeah it just adds something to the occasion both for the, both for the players and for the supporters that you know at least you got the last score you weren't just clinging on and clinging on even though they were you know so yeah. it, it was just so strange because really they had the game won when they went three points clear like that was it they were totally on top they were rampant they were they had the game won and then they just made such you know really poor decisions up front with the way they played the game out like if you can contrast that to the way Donegal saw out the game against Mead yeah Donegal were totally controlled methodical knew exactly what they were doing with Mayo it was still as if their minds were scrambled yeah so the, the, the fans don't help that like I mean it was like I was losing kind yeah, they, of they feed off the emotion a little it, bit but then the emotion at that stage is too much maybe it's yeah. like geez, this is panic stations or it's like it's it, it's like being at a school play where a baddie comes out and whoa and you know the, the the crowd follow nearly every single play of the of the game. Yeah, it's so true. Like if they if they 
win a turnover in their own defence. It's it's Huge as cheer. big of, it's a yeah. big a cheer as if they scored a goal. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just uh, I suppose it's why they it adds to the mayhem. Th- yeah, they bring so much to it. And to be honest, like we we've played in games so many. Anyone who's played sport, you know, has played Gaelic games. There's always these matches that are just complete carnage for about the last twenty minutes because it's it's all or nothing. But Mayo, Mayo could just bring that to a whole new level. Just the whole, it has to be with the supporters that they have and just the fact that they're not controlled. Like Dublin are so controlled that you never really get that level of excitement out yeah. of them because they can just control the whole thing. They're, they're, and they're, they're to be applauded for that, but it's not as exciting. There's no two ways about it. It's not as exciting for the neutral. No, no, you're not on a you're not on a cliff edge. But do we put Clifford's down to an incredible Henley save or a bad Clifford miss? Because I'm I'm nearly on the Clifford miss side now. I don't want to take away from a Henley save because initially I thought at the game. Crow Park is a nightmare. You can't see a replay of any incident in Crow Park. We know that it's t- shocking. But I initially thought it was right at him. But Henley actually had to raise his hands, which was an incredible reflex save. But Clifford had to put that down. It was a goal. Any side of him, he put a straight... He yeah, it's kind of one of those where when the ball is coming at him, he's moving in at speed and the ball isn't the ball isn't a soft pass across that he has time to then to do what he wants O'Brien with it. put it at him fast. O'Brien, yeah. it was kind of coming at him quick. He was moving in fast and he just made contact with it. So I don't think he had any real control. Could he have, could he have caught it? I don't think he could have caught it because by the time he would have gathered and dropped it to his boot, he probably would have been, you know, it probably would have just hit Henley anyway. Yeah, so Gooch said that last night I'm, on I'm League Sunday. Sure. I didn't think he had, like, if we were saying he had barely enough time to palm it in, he yeah. definitely didn't have enough time to catch it, drop it onto his foot and put no, it in. I don't think so, but it's it's very difficult to gauge. You just don't know. Like, if, if he had caught that, he was still on the move. His momentum might have even taken him past Henley and that he, he would have almost just bundled it into the net. You just yeah. can never tell. Like yeah. We've seen it so many times and it is very difficult in those situations. If if you catch the ball, by the time you drop it to your foot, you've three defenders, a goalkeeper, all and diving Henley's in And on you. your foot. Exactly. I, I thought if he caught that, he, it would have just got a messy... It would have just yeah. been a... Uh, he would have been blocked. I thought he did make the right decision at the time, but it, look, it was a difficult chance. I wouldn't really... I. It was one of them that it was neither. I don't. I wouldn't blame Clifford too much because it was coming at him quickly, and you could see he didn't get much force to it. Like he was, yeah, he was literally just whatever pace was on the ball. He was just guiding it, like if ricocheting yeah, it in, yeah, exactly, the just just trying to redirect it. Yeah, he has a very unique soloing style, Clifford. Yeah. Like I mean, because he's such a tall man, he's evolved obviously because he's been tall probably all his life to realize. If I solo it up, I'm going to get tapped away. So he actually puts his hands right down towards his foot and only solos it up about a foot. Isn't, yeah. it, isn't it bizarre how he's had to evolve because he's so tall into almost an awkward solo, having to do that to avoid being tackled? Yeah, he's he's having to sort of adjust to play like a smaller guy. Yeah. And yeah. you can see it at times when when he goes out the field, you can you can really see when he when he takes off on some of these runs it's then that you realise Jesus this fella can move you yeah. know because when you see him inside because he's so big he doesn't look as as nippy as some of the smaller guys you know off the, off the mark and that but he always manages to get his shot away he doesn't get dispossessed it's just his skill level is Really very, very good, high. Yeah. When you contrast it to Tommy Walsh, who can actually move as well when he gets up, but he's soloing it way up in the air. You yeah, know what I mean? He's, he's easy to dispossess, but Clifford has just realised, I'm corner forward. I need to actually completely adjust this solo so that the likes of Harrison can't get a hand in. It was actually funny after his first point to give Harrison a little playful slap on the bump just to remind him, here, where were you for that one, buddy? Did you see that? No, no I didn't see Because it. that was interesting because Henley almost started the first half like he was in... F- 
panic stations yeah, he mode. Did, yeah. He flapped it on O'Connor long ball and then he terrible punch for that Clifford point which didn't go out of play or didn't go anywhere. And uh, like I don't know where goalkeepers are going for these bloody balls. Anyways, there's a fender beside a forward. Stay on your line. Like I mean, it was the same with Ryan for the O'Connor goal. Like that wasn't a goal no, at all. But we'll get into that yeah, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, in uh, part two, a lot of people are giving out. Oh, dear, Mid O'Connor. Quickly, I saw this quote. He said this in his post-match interview or in his speech. Um, and this is a way to bypass the curse I think so he said we looked at today more as round 8 of the league rather than a final or anything like that so maybe that's the secret for all Ireland finals don't look at it as an all Ireland final just look at it as round 7 of the league depending on whether they come through the qualifiers yeah, or not. R- round 4 of the Super 8s <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, round 6, round of, six the of the Super 8s yeah, yeah. excellent there's a lot of people losing their minds about Tom Parsons and I think this is a strange one I think it was started by Des Cal who would have a, would have a big following and everyone's jumping this band wagon so it was a picture of a poor steward now who is who is completely just volunteering his time in Crow Park doesn't get any payment for this I'm sure they don't right so they're just volunteers I, I, I honestly don't know I don't think they do so this fellow how do you Tom Parsons coming down the steps with a hat backwards and he's standing there in a tracksuit and he says I'm part of the Mayo squad Sure, a hundred supporters could say the same thing. Like, I mean, that's a trick to say you get, to get out onto the yeah, pitch, we, right? We've had we've had stories in me. They they had to introduce these passes for players in the club championship games because there was lads landing with gear bags getting in for free. <laughs> so, so there you go. This is what I would say a steward could write a book on the type of excuses yeah. and and bullshit that people would come down. Yeah, to well, say. Like, I think on this particular one, it, it, it just the TV cameras kind of caught, it, caught and, it, and it and it looked it looked bad. It looked like he wasn't letting Parsons in, and then you had two or three of the Mayo players were obviously trying to say look yeah. trying to explain who he was and trying to get and him down and then he got in but subsequently yeah but it didn't it, none of that was shown on TV you see so I think subsequently today I saw something from yeah. from the Mayo sec- County Board Secretary who said that he was down on the pitch with Paul Cunnan yeah. yeah so he says there was no problem he was on the pitch now Paul I'm sure is because listen the way I look at this this is not the steward's fault if you have extended panel members up in the stand well then that's management's uh, management's job to, to look at everything logistically and see what happens if we win does our extended panel get out what pass are they going to have are the stewards at that gate going to know about this pass are they going to that's not a steward's problem and he's been lynched and his photo's been spread all over um, social media I think that's a logistics issue I think that's why Paul is playing it down saying there's no problem because he understands that that might, that might be a logistics yeah, issue Yeah look I, I think sometimes uh, people can just get a little bit a uh, bit of an overreaction to certain things and, yeah. um, and possibly because it's Tom Parsons and he's very very popular and because he had the bad injury and people are feeling very good for Mayo and thinking he sh- wanted him to be involved in it and they see an incident like this and obviously it, it attracts a negative viewpoint from people and you know rightly so it, it, it would be very disappointing if, if a guy like him couldn't get down but look at People, the steward's a human being. I'm sure once the once the correct information gets to him, I'm sure there was no issue. Yeah, and it's exactly. and so so the secretary has said afterwards. Exactly. So I think I think unfortunately, when people see a certain level of information, it's like having half the info. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. A <laughs> little bit of fake news, really, not giving yeah. the full story there. So, like, I mean, we talked about the Mayo fans, but on Saturday it must be a thing out the west with these fans because the Leitrim fans were lunatics. Well, I think about ten thousand. We talked on Thursday, 300 came home from abroad. Like, I mean, if any time there is an advertisement for a Tier 2 competition where Leitrim can get to Croke Park and get into all our quarterfinals, well, how anyone could turn, say no to that, based on 
the reports we were getting from Leitrim and you know their fundraising um, you know endeavours and then in Croke Park acquitted themselves brilliantly considering they've been in Croke Park in Division 4 for so long Derry are operating at a higher level a lot of their players and we're just too good for them really and like in the first half after 21 minutes they led 6-3 and they were dominating so much that they had six wides and Derry had none so they dominated they played some beautiful football kick passes from midfield into the full forward line running off them and I was like what the hell has Terry Highland done to this team like but then obviously they got worn down and they were beaten by a better team on the day but like I mean that it was a great occasion and usually the Division 4 final is a little bit boring like Leash and Carlo didn't bring a huge crowd last year to, to it whereas Leitrim brought brilliant excitement and it's just fantastic to see yeah, and uh, there was great pace to the game actually. Yeah, you know, it was a good standard. There was a very good standard. Um, I thought that the the running power from Leitrim earlier early on in the game was huge. And yeah. like I suppose look, you can't do that for the whole game. No. But they did try to mix it up as best that they could. But look, Derry just had the, the star quality up front in the second half in in McGuigan, and that was just really the difference in the end. They were able to get scores a little bit easier than Leitrim in terms of Leitrim really had to work the ball all the way in and had to. You know, it took an awful lot of energy to get their scores, whereas Derry were just a little bit more uh, more slick. I'd yeah, say. just class. Just yeah, just, a, they just had a little bit more class. Had but, a bit more class. But yeah. Leitrim deserve huge credit, and they should be. I mean, they've had a wonderful, wonderful league campaign, and um, hopefully, it'll see them to have a, a decent run in the championship as well, where they do themselves justice. Yeah, and they had a decent run last year too. So did a wide tally of thirteen. I think they could have 10, 10 of them in the first half. Their midfielder Plunkett, he was probably the worst culprit. He was he scored a very good one off his right and two terrible ones off his left. Yeah, it's Calm down. Like, is, I mean, there was, yeah, it was inexperience. It was I'm exactly. in Croke Park. You're not on the run going to score on your weaker side. It was clearly his weaker side because you know it's his weaker side when he kicks the beautiful one off the right, and that looked more natural. And it's yeah. like they, they, I think Terry Highland was saying afterwards, just that little bit of composure when they were dominating the game. So instead of being, I think they went seven three up, they should have been ten three up, and then Derek might panic. You know, whereas well, that's it. When you're the underdog in these games, you, you really have to be hugely efficient with your score taking, particularly when you get your chances early in the game, because yeah. you're probably going to have to ride out a storm at some point and look once Derry went ahead Derry kind of controlled the game like I always got the impression that there was more in Derry if if Leitrim if needs be yeah if they yeah. needed they it, had some they have division 2 players and if some <coughs> division 1 arguably players as well you know so like I mean and, they were just too good and they definitely have look they had massive experience in Croke Park by comparison as well like they've guys that have played in all Ireland club finals you know so yeah. they've just they've been operating uh, sporadically at a higher level for, for longer than Leitrim and I think that you know, really that kind of toll at times. Yeah, exactly. So Division 2 and 4 finals were obviously on Saturday. I always feel they're a little bit old come Monday, especially after the drama yesterday. It's like, oh, do we actually have to go back to Saturday now, you know? But, like, I mean, they were two great games. I remember, like, I mean, lots of offensive kicking. Leitrim in the first half, get it in. Get it in and work off them. Mead into Newman, like, clearly was working. You have O'Sullivan and you, you have McMahon and these lads running off him. He was causing absolute carnage Newman was and a little bit unlucky for the goal was it was disallowed for the, it was the correct decision yeah. um, you know another point that w- went to Hawkeye that should have gone over from Newman on his yeah. right foot Mead really should have been 8-9 points ahead of half time and that would have been a big difference but there was a clear 
clear emphasis on kicking and a clear emphasis on kicking into full forward lines and Donegal in the second half exactly as well now they ran it a lot in the first half and Murphy got frustrated and came out the field but he stayed in in the second half and uh, so then I see a tweet right because I was I was linked into this tweet I would have no interest in seeing this tweet otherwise but somebody tagged me in it two lads tagged me in it so Stephen Poacher the Carlo coach the coach that has relegated Carlo into Division 4 so they obviously got, it, got them up and now sent them straight back down with his version of how he likes to see the game played so he tweets this and this I, I, I was blown away by this that how what kind of an understanding has this fella of Gaelic football so he says Lots of hysteria about the volume of kicking in today's uh, league finals. Just spent a few hours analysing Mead versus Donegal game. Outside of set plays, 351 hand passes to 74 kick passes. Ratio of approximately 5 to 1. The Donegal goal had 10 hands and 1 kick. Don't let hype get in the way of stats. And I think that sums up the likes of this fella, as far as I'm concerned. That runs away like a football nerd and tries to find stats. I don't care about stats. I can see with my own two eyes what happened in those games. That there was nothing but offensive kicking. So we could see, think of a, an old, like a real dull uh, defensive game. Like say Monaghan Donegal in an Ulster final or Donegal Tyrone. You know those games that yeah, were very yeah. like arm wrestles and there's a lot of playing over and back outside of screens. And they could have a hand-pass kick ratio of 5 to 1 because a lot of the time outside the screen, if you want to move it to the far side, you just kick it straight across the field and then you start trying to puncture in over there. And it's mind-numbingly boring to watch, but you're still seeing some kick passes. And often, when you retreat off a team, when they're moving up towards the 45, you'll see three or four kick passes on the way up because it's faster to get it up through the kick pass. It's still dull and boring. So it was very, very obvious that the game had moved on Look at the Mead goal. Newman comes out from a long diagonal ball off the outside of the boot. Two Donegal players end up under arses and Newman gives it inside and it's a beautiful goal. Pure excitement. Mm. And then you see the Donegal goal, which was O'Donnell, lovely diagonal ball into Gallen, layoff to Michael Murphy, hand pass to Brennan, goal. Excitement, brilliant. So if this fool can't see the difference in the kick passing in those two games to a ratio of 5 to 1 and then starts don't let hype get in the way of stats oh, well, I'm not surprised Carlo are back under arses in Division 4 Yeah well look and I, I don't really want to get, go down that rabbit hole but th- look the reality is there's different like you can you can count as many passes as you want but it's what what does the pass do yeah. So what are you seeing though? Correct. Don't run behind stats. What do you see well, with your own eyes? Like what you look at is, and you are correct to point it out that we've seen so many games where we've had lateral kick passing, kick passing backwards to retain possession because there's no ball that can be delivered yeah, inside. And that's a kick. Yeah. Like what you really saw in the early stages of the Mead Donegal game um, was Mead kicking long passes, long ball into the danger zone from from the middle of the field. Into the into the attacking zone, not getting the ball in their half back lane and kicking it back to the corner back or across the middle of the field or slowing the tempo of the game down. So it was, it was adventurous. I would say I would call that I would consider that to be attacking football. Yeah, where you get the ball and you get it forward as quickly as you can, ideally by the foot. And when it's done right, it is the most attractive brand of football without a doubt for yeah. anybody to watch and it's exciting and for it supporters is, and it's, it's effective it's effective it, like so there, there's a there's a mix there but look at I, yeah I, I don't know like I, I don't know why somebody would um, I don't know why somebody would be trying to 
uh, frame an argument. Um, well, I'd have say, a good idea why he'd to be say trying those to games do it. You know? too good, like, so I mean, that, 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 that's, the, that's the reality. I'd rather not get into if, it. No, but if you look at O'Donnell's kick pass, for example, to Gallon, yeah. years, years ago, if you're going yeah. with zonal defenders, that ball's not on. You know what I mean? Because that's being covered by a zone and that's where the game has moved on. That the zonals are not there as much anymore. So these little kick passes, the pressure is well, being I'll put... Well, t- I'll tell you why there's, why there's uh, lots of positive talk about um, kick passing the ball forward and getting the ball into the danger zone because it fucking works. <laughs> right? Niall O'Donnell, Donegal would not have scored a goal if Niall O'Donnell had not played that lovely little dinked crossfield pass yeah. by the foot if he didn't kick that ball no goal for Donegal yeah. Aidan O'Shea plays a phenomenal um, diagonal ball in from the middle of the field into Carr to create a goal scoring opportunity Mayo end up getting a point there's no score for Mayo unless they have that adventure to play a direct kick pass in now we're not advocating for people to be lumping the ball but what no. we're saying is this is an effective style of football that works if it's done appropriately yeah. and when the when the pass is on it has to be delivered we've spoken about it so many times where we've been watching games where there's one on one inside and the ball is not delivered yeah and it's all recycled. It's about ball retention. It's about my stats at the end of the game. How many times did I give the ball away? But that's not how you win football matches. How you win football matches is taking that risk because the risk reward ratio is worth it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And that's the very that's the very big kind of difference. And like it was great to see and they were really enjoyable games. And I think that's it. That's I think the trend is moving towards that. And I think with teams pressurizing all over the field, I think the offensive mark has absolutely helped because there's a reward there of the potential catch. Yeah. You don't have to use it. I think Michael Murphy got an offensive mark in the second half and he didn't deserve it because he had actually tried to play on. I'm yeah, not sure exactly, what the ruling yeah. is there. He clearly tried to play on. It was only the referee having whistled that made him stop well, and I think, think oh, I, I have I a think mark in the here. second half, I think he might have scored from three marks. Two, two, I think. Did he, yeah? Because there was another one where it looked like he gave McGill a little bit of a shove in the back and the referee blew the whistle and I think if, if he hadn't blown it, he was in for goal. But Murphy, I think, was turning around to give out to him for saying, it's not a free against me. And ref was saying, oh, sorry, it's a mark. So <laughs> Mead had a little bit of a lucky escape on that one. But um, look, it, it, if you have somebody in there that has an ability to win the ball, and it's not all about the ball being hammered up into the air. No. It's about good movement, uh, the quality on the pass, the quality of the man making the runs and the timing yeah. of those runs. And, and the diagonal ball. And the thing about this is, that was this is what I've just forgotten about. When people are saying we want to see more kick passing, I'm not necessarily thinking that the cornerback has to drive it out to midfield and win it. Like that's yeah. dumb. I want to see the ball worked out through the through the hand more or less until you get around the midfield area and then deliver it. Even the ha- I'd like to get, see a half back hit the half forward line, for example. But you obviously have to work it through the hand to get into a position where you can deliver a kick pass. Like it's not. So I think some people like to frame this kicking game like the 1970s, where to be just launched, and that's not the reality yeah, I of it. Well, like I mean, a, the game's too sophisticated now for that. It'll never go back to that. No, well, it's about uh, it's about creating time and space for the man on the ball in the, in, in the middle third of the field to be able to deliver the ball into the danger zone because it cuts out uh, allowing the opposition to come back because I, I would I think most of the top teams they don't really want to be dragging all of their players back into their own half and playing this sort of up and down ball carrying game I think, I think most teams are kind of gone away from that what they want is that they want to get the ball in there before you know if you have loads of runners coming from deep it's like we t- talk yeah. about Dublin well Dublin lads will follow you back and they'll track the runs and all of a sudden 
you're you're on the attack in 45 and you have 15 Dublin yeah. 15 opposition players inside the 45 and you have to try and break that down it's difficult uh, and that was Mayo in the first half yesterday but we'll talk about that as well I think but, and I was Mayo in the first half and Kerry in the second half so maybe there was a slight um, wind in Crow Park a game that went uh, below the radar was Loud and Westmead who drew so Leash and Westmead are in Crow Park next uh, weekend in the Division 3 final so that's fantastic I didn't think it would be in, in Crow Park um, Westmead got a penalty I don't know if you saw the highlights of this Jeez, it was terrible it was way outside the box I don't even think it was a foul on Heslin like I mean he no. chanced his arm by claiming for it yeah. okay if you're giving him a free it definitely wasn't a penalty of all things and then Loud got a penalty I think that was a penalty there yeah, was a slight yeah, push, a push in the back, in the back yeah, yeah, which was interesting but an interesting stat on that report last night I thought it was great so in the last nine years Westmead have had four promotions and three relegations so only two years have they managed to stay in the same division I thought that was a brilliant one so we think Mayo fans have a roller coaster I think Westmead fans might be on that yeah, same well, one I think uh, I think a lot of counties around the country would be would be happy enough would say Westmead's last decade they've, they've had the heights of of division one and they've, they've won yeah. a division two title they've you know they're they've They've made it certainly very exciting. They've had their bad days, but um, certainly it's uh, it's better than, ju- in my view, it's better than being con- consolidated in a division for ten yeah. for a decade, do, go, going nowhere and yeah. doing nothing. Consolidated my ass. Let's yeah, have yeah. a bit of excitement. Yeah. I take up or a, down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I take an, a relegation for Everton well, for a Premier I, League title. To be honest with you, if you if you win your final league game to avoid relegation, it's as, it's nearly as good as winning to get to the final. It's yeah. the same feeling. Yeah, because you've won a massively important game. It's a feeling of something. Yeah. 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 So, in fairness, most of the teams except for Armagh, Dublin um, and in the last division I think they were all in, oh Sligo were relegated and then the two Division 4 there, there wasn't much riding on that for the last two games John Fogarty had a tweet that was interesting just before we finish up and go into part 2 he said Hill 16 not open today has been for the last six Division 1 football final days when Dublin have not or when Dublin have been involved and then he went no preferential treatment question mark I met John in Crow Park yesterday and he actually mentioned this to me and I don't want to make this about Dublin or you get the same old nonsense but the Hill 16 is the cheaper option for tickets so if I don't want to pay whatever it is 35 for a Cusick stand ticket can I not pay 15 for Hill 16 if I'm not a Dublin fan and I think that's outrageously wrong that 2,000 people couldn't have the option of standing on the hill and it's, it's, it's like it's Dublin's property and only Hill 16 will be open for a big game if they're involved in some way and like I know they split it 50-50 with other fans when Dublin are there but the other fans outside of finals never take them up or whatever so it's almost like that's Dublin's hill that's so wrong that the cheaper option is only available to Dublin fans Oh yeah well look I don't know why they made that decision um, for the league finals to me it's ridiculous there should be you know there should be a tiered system in relation to ticket prices I mean that's only fair to all spectators yeah. and again most Kulchis have loads of money yeah, or yeah. another example of them trying to fleece the Kulchis <laughs> who can't afford to live in Dublin in the first place yeah you know? it's a big day out up in Dublin there so there's no jobs down the country we have no money at all we're only small farmers and then they're trying to charge us the big whack to come up to the big schmoke you shocking. know it's terrible absolutely shocking right we'll be back with some analysis He goes, if you boys are doing God's work, you can do whatever you want in the field. And I kind of, for me, that was a, that was a free pass. <laughs> so, so when you say Mickey takes it to another level, what will he be doing this week? Oh, an extra dag of the rosary. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrone or Queer Hawks in the final, and a hawk is a queer bird. We 
James Horan being the confident man that he is said after the game if we were as effective as we should be we could have won by 10 to 12 I don't know like Clifford had a goal disallowed well, I didn't see a replay of that they didn't show it last night I didn't think there was much in it no, for the, the live it look looked like a, a good tackle to me the Clifford goal that was disallowed uh, was a, a good goal a good tackle good from him goal. but he hopped it twice for Gavin Crowley's goal so that should have that been a free out. Each other out so I think you know swings around a bit yeah too. but Mayo on possession like I mean but I don't think uh, like I wouldn't see that as a positive from James Horn. I would see that as a negative that up front I thought up front both teams had an unwillingness unwing- to shoot at the goals for some reason Jason Doherty a couple of times I remember the old mess and Kerry had over underneath the Cusick stand where Crowley ended up kicking it because Minahan didn't want it and then they gave it back to someone else and another time Thomas Sullivan had a great chance on his left and did, amazingly didn't shoot and pawned it off Yeah, well, it, was it was weird it was funny but I think all weekend in, in all of the matches at the weekend in Croker there seemed to be uh, a difficulty shooting into Hill 16 end and there is there, look there nearly always is a sort of an awkward sort of a swirling breeze yeah. that comes these across were canal, there these were canal these I know were, from the canal end side oh yeah. you know so I think there was a I think there was a bit of a breeze um, favouring team shooting into the into the canal end for 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 all the games at the weekend. So maybe that's a factor in it. Sometimes at field level, sometimes the goals can just look a lot further away than they look on yeah. the TV. So there, there at times the attacking play from both teams was was desperate, bad yeah. really. To be honest, um, too slow to move the ball. You know players taking way too much too many touches instead of moving the ball on and trying to drag the defence out of position um, and it ended up with players getting blocked down the wrong lads trying to just swing a leg at the ball yeah. um, so look both teams will have to massively tidy that up but in terms of James Horn's comment Mayo were, the, Mayo were the more dominant team for the larger periods of the game and look really the goals in the first half um, which were two brilliant finishes by the way from yeah. Kerry like it they probably flattered Kerry slightly at half time you know Donny Vaughan had quite a poor miss his was actually probably the easiest of all of the you know Kerry got two brilliant goals from difficult chances and Vaughan is clean through and uh, kind of misses his one so um, yeah it's hard to disagree too much with Horn. I think that they were they were overall the more dominant team they were the better team they were, yeah, the, they they were, the yeah, team. They were in terms of scoring opportunities created and everything but it looked to me right that like in the second half they really shook Kerry down aggressive physical they bullied Kerry like they really bullied Kerry in the second half and like it was Keith Higgins Lee Keegan Paddy Dirk and Donald Vaughan Lee Keegan Paddy Dirk and Donald Vaughan Lee Keegan to a lesser extent but when he was on O'Shea he was going forward in the first half then he went back in on Stephen O'Brien and tied him up so like I mean he had to play that role Higgins was attacking at will from cornerback Paddy Durkin was attacking at will Donald Vaughan poor Dara Minahan was chasing shadows with that fella in the first half Mayo attacking from the half back line dragged Kerry completely out of their comfort zone they dragged Kerry into a hand passing game or like more of a running game because the kick pa- there was such a disconnect between the full yeah. forward line they dragged Kerry into a game a Kerry can't beat Mayo at Correct. that yeah. running game only Dublin can beat Mayo at that high intensity high octane you know man on the shoulder running at you only Dublin can beat Mayo at that game and I don't know what the solution for Kerry is because while we say in the full back full forward line you have to follow your man half forwards have to follow their men there's yeah, no way yeah, around yeah. that so Kerry need to develop a running game in the second half Griffin was running in so James O'Donoghue would come on so James O'Donoghue was trying to bridge that gap O'Donoghue played in the 45 and the two lads inside then they changed O'Donoghue inside and brought Clifford amazingly out onto the 45 to try and bridge that gap 
so they could get a, some sort of a kicking game going because Kerry liked to move it on to kick there, there was no options they were suffocated that kick wasn't on and Kerry had no answer to Mayo No I, I think that physically um, in terms of power just Kerry were found a bit lacking in all reality in the second half of the game I thought Paul Murphy really stood up for, for Kerry I thought he came up with a few phenomenal turnovers But he'll always do that The one thing about Paul Murphy and for the Rowan goal he was stupid Did you see what he yeah, did? Yeah he made a bad decision he charging out Yeah, He went, he went in he he contested that kick out yeah. with Rowan and O'Connor and left Jason Doherty down the smartness from the Jason Doherty I'll stay down I'm not yeah, stupid Wait for the break Wait yeah. for the break Took yeah. the break and then Rowan gets up and he's gone Why is Murphy going up for that? I, I thought know, that, look, that that's a like that was just that's, that's poor defending. It's a fundamental it's a fundamental bad decision to have your centre half any of your half back line jumping for a kick out. Sucking in there, yeah. It's just it's not good. So you'd have to put down that was poor communication by the two carry boys there going for the same ball. Um but I thought I thought overall he did well. He'll always get in get it you know, yeah. he's a tenacious I, little I thought, player. I thought that Jack Barry stood up very well at times as well. Um now again, look, he's up against he was up against it massively, but if you compare it against the players around him, there was very few of them that were really getting on the ball or, or really driving like he drove forward and got a point in the second half yeah. well, Shea's cleaned him Ste- out though oh he did yeah Stephen O'Brien was another one who came out of it with a lot of credit player, yeah. like he was their best player but there wasn't enough of them as the point I'm making there was, there was nobody else that was that was capable of breaking a tackle no. from a Kerry side no. they were the only few guys that were capable of standing up to it physically against Mayo and and not all the time but they were the, the only ones that showed evidence that they could that was it that was so, it especially in the second half I thought Jack Barry that's what he, killed him his defending was terrible for the Rouen goal yeah, he, it was he, lazy he was tired yeah. at that stage because you have to you have to keep Ruan on his bad side there yeah. like the obvious thing is he's going to cut in I, you could tell that a mile away yeah, it was a lazy one handed thing for it was a big man a, it was a poor tackle he should have wrapped him up like yeah. there's no doubt but I would have or a, saw him down on his yeah, left Ruan's not going to I have a small in. bit of sympathy in that you know he, who's inside Aidan O'Shea was charging in the middle I just thought that uh, Jack Barry was having to put out fires everywhere for Kerry he was having to do the work of about four different players whereas if you look at Mayo Mayo had good support from all positions and that's why they just they ground Kerry into the ground they just walked out they ran all over them yeah. really I think Kerry were missing Gavin White who might have punched holes in the yeah. second half in that running game Thomas Sullivan going back to Mark Kevin McLaughlin they lost him from the half back line then you know they didn't have enough pace to be able to get out No, and, they, and, and, if, and, and then they had unforced errors then like yeah, Griffin was charging out with a ball and missed solos you know it's just Griffin went on Vaughan you know you know Darren Moynan's taken off at half time Kevin McCarthy was told to get out on Vaughan then he was taken off and Mark Griffin a, a full back was put on Vaughan this was the type of damage and I was surprised Vaughan was even taken off I said at the start of this year James Horan loves, loves him, Vaughan yeah, loves and I, sa- I even made a call that he prefers him to Conor Boyle and that will be the half back line in my opinion is Vaughan, Keegan and Durkin but you can see why yeah yeah, and that and the, the, Vaughan, the Vaughan's running power is like there's very few players can stick with Vaughan for the whole game, and a lot of the time you're looking at it going like he's he's just running oftentimes, and you're thinking where is he going? Like there yeah. just makes no sense that he's making this run, but over the course of bloody seventy or an hour or however long he's on the field, he just keeps doing it, yeah. and he's doing it at such a pace that just wears lads out. Now, with with the quality of his finishing at times, I'd be inclined to let him off, but you can't really do no. that either. And his kick passing's terrible too. He kicked one out under the Cusick stand, and he kicked another one out on the on the other side, straight over the sideline. Like I mean, he's such a strange player in that I'd have him on my team all day oh, long. Absolutely, so would I, yeah. <laughs> there's 
a bit of a, a Michael Darren McCauley about that you know like he's yeah. just such a direct runner and he's so hard to mark because this is the thing I don't know what the solution for Kerry with that with the kicking game being their predominant uh, tactic how they can deal with Mayo not when you've Keith Higgins bombing from the corner they only had two in the, in the Mayo half for most of the game trust me this is not Kerry drifting back. This is Kerry frantically following players, or Kerry frantic. Fo- I don't know what the solution is unless they develop a good running game. And do, see, this is the thing: Dublin have a kicking game and a running game. Dublin can beat you all the way, and that's why they are great champions. And Tyrone are developing it. But Kerry don't have a good running game. We saw it against Galway last year in the Super Eights. They didn't like that messy, disorganised game yeah, where they have to it's, be. It's when, yeah, and it is difficult when a game turns into that sort of chaotic, frantic, no shape to it. Yeah. Kerry just haven't had probably enough games like that to, to be able to find their balance in it. Mayo have enough sort of versatile players that they can drop into different positions and do a reasonable job so I think Mayo thrive in that, in that oh, they do in they're that. like Monaghan Monaghan yeah. bloody love it as well like when it just turns into complete chaos they just seem to be able to outperform their opponents I don't know what it is whether they're just able to physically push themselves further or whether they just thrive on the, the sort of the physical exchanges I and think the that's what they do that. I, yeah. I, think they, I think they really they just play with such fire and passion that they're you know when the game when, when everybody stops playing at tactics and just starts going on instinct bullheaded for yeah. the game off instinct I think that they they can overcome almost every team bar Dublin who have been able to just stay methodical like yeah. if Dublin if they're ever ever able to get to the position where Dublin lose the rag you know that's yeah. when I think Mayo would and thrive du- you Dublin, know? Dublin don't become disorganised in that Dublin's for some reason keep their heads even though the Mayo fans are losing it and yeah. I have to give and I think it was Paul Murphy in the media last week made a comment that Mayo bring an intensity to the game that very few play- teams can do and it was so evident yesterday like in the second half yeah. Kerry were at a stage where they, were, they had run out of ideas how to almost get out of their own half they were being bullied and pushed back and the, the Mayo forwards are great workers and especially James Horn who absolutely promotes pushing right up in the face of your man and winning that ball high up the field and that's what that's what Mayo just in fairness to them are brilliant at Yeah look that, that aggressive uh, that sort of willingness to work and chase down the opposition is huge for them they, they can physically do it in terms of their running power physically they're just very strong if they can get a hand on an opposing player or yeah. make physical contact they have a brilliant ability to just make the opposition player turn in almost all situations and they're turning them back then where there's yeah. another body coming in like their work rate is huge Higgins did that with James O'Donoghue about three occasions yeah. under the well, hill he's, he's a matchup for him like, yeah. Higgins, so, Higgins was struggling actually a little bit with McCarthy just a different type of player as soon as James O'Donoghue was on him Higgins was totally comfortable he was able to just match him in in the different facets of the way O'Donoghue goes at him and but O'Donoghue went at him felt the power yeah. and went back and yeah. that's what I always say this is why the Mayo defenders are excellent in that even Dublin players feel that strength and go back I'm not, ta- I'm not chancing that I'm going to get bottled up and someone will end up coming across and doubling yeah. up on me and, and then I'm in trouble and where that becomes that's where Kerry don't have they the, don't have that strength no, in the and it becomes more and more evident the longer the game goes on in the first 20 minutes they might be able to break that line but near the end of the game there's just they don't have that same power no. or physicality or just 
speed in the legs to just get away or break that tackle yeah, you know, 100% and it, it's so there were so many examples of it the other day that you could look at like even Paul Gainey at one stage got done for over carrying with Harrison where yeah. he was just trying he, he didn't want to take it into the tackle because I'd say he fa- and this is a fresh player coming on like you would have thought that God he'll just step in he'll take his you know he'll, he'll drive at his shoulder he'll, he'll really drive through and try and you know win the free and he was just a little bit tentative didn't really know knew probably from Mark and Harrison before I don't really want to take this guy don't want yeah. to take it into contact here but that was Kerry kind of playing as individuals at that stage you know there was no good forward play it was like Gini should no, they, that they, ball well, sure, look they couldn't get up to support them no, were, the legs the, were gone I thought, I thought when Gini got that ball that time uh, Clifford was putting his hands on him Clifford was criminally underused because he had the beatings of Harrison I don't think there, anyone would deny that he did have the beatings of him he had his hand up now a diagonal ball Harrison's marking is in front of him on goal side. Just I just whack it across. Get it in that man's hands. Like yeah. he's a match winner. Get it in his hands. They criminally underused Tommy Walsh. So they tried him with one or two early ones. Ball from the throw in went to Walsh into the chest off to O'Shea, and they're thinking, Jesus, Mayo could be in trouble here today. Yeah. That's, that was brilliant. And then they attempted two long balls because on Chris Barrett now he's a huge height difference now Chris Barrett did brilliantly on Tommy Walsh but the ball Tommy Walsh was getting was shite now it was yeah, straight it was down and Barrett's right behind him and he's just breaking it straight in front or contesting or spoiling him if they're diagonal Barrett's gone he's at sea he doesn't know and I was amazed that Kerry underused him especially in the first half when they actually had a, a bit more possession second half they were you know they were. it, it was they, trying to come from probably too far too far, in far the back half. And, and, but they still didn't try it they like, didn't really against Dublin they launched a few long hopeful ones and I was yeah. thinking they would def- when they saw the height difference I would think one of the balls was from O'Connor that uh, Henley flapped that that was meant as a pass to to Walsh but it was overcooked and there was two that were overcooked to Walsh and then they didn't use him yeah, well, I suppose that yeah, the, the two in the first half were very poor efforts that tailed, you know, that didn't didn't reach the far post and were just uh, look, they just weren't good enough really, you know, at that level. It, it, they should have just been popped into them. In the second half, I think Kerry will. It's definitely going to be a topic of conversation for them in their team meetings as to how they managed their way through a game like that when they couldn't break out and they definitely could not break the line against Mayo and no. by. Look, they had to carry it to a point, but what was happening was they were carrying it up to the Mayo 45 and eventually they'd run out of ideas and get stripped. Now, Gooch spoke about a long time ago about how standing still sometimes creates that space for yourself. There was nobody in the Kerry team that, and I've spoken about a good few times, nobody was really patient enough to just stay right inside in the small square and just say, right, it's not coming, it's not coming, but it will eventually. And when that space, if, if someone had held in, say, for example, Tommy Walsh or Clifford, who had an obvious, who was obviously winning his 50-50 battle, if he stays in there rather than trying to come out on the loop, that, that pocket of space is going to be created because Mayo are pressing out on the 45 and that's where they'll get that joy. And all Kerry really needed to do at a certain stage of the game was just get a score. Because Mayo were having attack after attack after attack and they were blazing them up in the air. They were kicking wide and Kerry were still ahead of them until Rowan got the goal. And Kerry would go down the field and they'd get maybe one score. But all they needed was a couple more scores and they could have 
I'm not saying they wouldn't break Mayo's spirit, but they would have created enough of a margin that they would have been able to see the game out. And all yeah. that was was using the ball a little bit better on maybe two or three attacks and by staying a little bit more patient and just using the ball better, using the kick pass, because trying to run the ball through Mayo, it just doesn't work. Yeah. They didn't have the physical power to do the, it. The few they kicked were terrible balls. And, uh, Clifford started giving out at one stage. Like, it wasn't on his side. And I think they were panicking because they were under so much pressure out the field. The ball wasn't that good going in. And and then one or two came straight back out and I think they gave up kind of doing it then where you're right Clifford tried to hold in as much as he could until Tommy Griffin ran into him and told him to come out to the 45 there was a there was an option just like we say just get that in there to him like he's yeah. huge like Walsh had drifted out and then he was taken off but like I would have Clifford's the match winner I would have been just like we're in big trouble out around this midfield how can we get it to him yeah. as soon and they kind of went away from that it seemed like they carried the way they play and they're so slick with their kick passing they need someone on the half forward line they, need, they work through the lines with their kick you know what I mean with yes, the, yeah. the half backs go to the half forward line and then they rarely they wouldn't really pump one from midfield the Dublin game in Tralee is the only one at the time I saw them doing that yeah well look at what you had the other day was Sean O'Shea actually he, he plays a he plays a strange kind of a game as a centre half forward and that he's almost just a he's just a third midfielder and he's he's getting around the middle way too deep slogging around getting he was, back he, he was jumping with yeah, O'Connor, for the, O'Connor for the goal which is which is bizarre in terms of why was he doing that I, I, I couldn't understand that maybe he was switched out to the midfield but I don't think he was because even from early in the game he's back in his own half back line and that's that's all well and good at certain times of a game And but he was offering absolutely no score threat apart from the throw in at the very start of the game Sean O'Shea was not up in the attacking third of the field he wasn't even getting on the ball in the middle third of the no. field to deliver the ball in so if, you're, if your centre half forward is not getting on the ball in that sort of zone to try and set up then the supply line is, is really realistically it's gone you're relying on Stephen O'Brien who's a runner you know who was the one that was delivering the ball into Clifford and into Tommy Walsh there, wasn't there was really. nobody no. so I mean and then you had Thomas Sullivan who was tied up uh, man marking Kevin could, McLaughlin yeah. and he, he He's, he's a guy who has an ability to kick a long diagonal ball so yeah. Kerry really just didn't they didn't provide the platform for their for their danger men to you know get enough opportunity to win ball yeah no I couldn't agree more so like I mean that's it Andy Moran obviously provided a very calming um, presence when he came on you know he was he was very good as well he did he won a he won a bit of ball made it stick up front and particularly the last you know for, for the goal at the very end it was one of them where May are only a point ahead after conceding two in a row they needed the ball and when it was played in with the kick pass you're going Jesus whoever is going for this ball inside has to make the bloody thing stick because if they don't it's it's probably going to be a draw match so in fairness to him as he has done so many times before good hands and then they have the runner gone in for the goal so look it was a key contribution from him actually and he did steady it up a bit he he didn't get into the rash sort of mad stuff that some of the other players were doing of firing shots aimlessly No he was completely calm when he got it another thing I was just just I'd lost my train of thought there um, Sean O'Shea something I noticed at the game yesterday he's very slow yeah, he's, not, he's quick. not fast at all. He's not and explosive. No, he doesn't have a turn of pace. Now, obviously, he's playing so well in the league where slower players can thrive. So in, I'm not calling out Sean O'Shea in any way. He's a brilliant player. But it'd be interesting to see him in Crow Park. Yesterday, to me, didn't look like Crow Park suited him because he wasn't. He didn't have. He didn't have enough pace, and he was dropping too deep, and he's impossible to get back up. But even I think he was chasing Keegan or chasing Higgins or something. He wasn't able. He no. wasn't able to get to catch him. I look. The reality is, Sean O'Shea has a has a huge appetite for work. Yeah, and sometimes that can be to his 
to the detriment of the team, as it's strange and all as it sounds, because he's working back into positions that you actually really don't want him to be in. Now, there are times when he has to just take responsibility and say, there's a runner gone here, I have to go with him. And that will happen. But if you look at the... If you're to look at the overall impact that he had on the game, yeah. now his free-taking was, was very good. He missed one in the first half, which wasn't an easy one, but he would usually get, get it. All of his other frees, he nailed them, but they weren't they weren't difficult frees. Um, he dropped one short, I think, off the ground. I think it was at 45, maybe dropped short. But in terms of open play, he made one very dangerous run off, off uh, Tommy Walsh from the throw-in. Yeah. Aside from that... I remember him having a ball in the in the attacking position in the attacking third maybe once in Very the second rarely, half of the game, yeah. and and again it was one of them where he hopped and soloed and was trying to work a shot wasn't on had to lay it off and recycle it. So, you know, from Kerry's half forward line just really got dominated. Now look, Lee Keegan has done this to so many players. Yeah. Um, you know, he was obviously on to Sean O'Shea, and he doesn't make life easy. Keegan is he's quick and he's strong. And, and he puts you on the back foot yeah, by going forward. Yeah, he does. He puts you on the back foot by going forward. But he's also very physical off the ball. So he makes oh, yeah. you have to make two or three runs even to just get him away from you. Now, Sean O'Shea at times showed the appetite for that. But at other times, I don't know whether it was that he had he was having to do too much defensive work or whether he just wasn't able to get away from Keegan. It's very difficult to know. Yeah, but, a little but bit of both. Yeah. Probably a little, a little bit, bit of both. But and it's certainly something that he's going to have to look at his own game and, and say next time he's in Croke Park, he has to be more of an attacking threat. Yeah. In, my, in my view anyway um, Paddy Durkin blackguarded him a little bit at the end and like I mean I was surprised to see Durkin at this carry on with Sean O'Shea considering what Kieran Kilkenny was do, doing to them when y- you'd feel bad for Mayo with Kilkenny doing it and then you go see Mayo do the exact same thing to a young lad who's only 19-20 was like come on like I mean you're better than that you're four, four in, Dublin, well, in Dublin's yeah. defence they were only a point up at that stage like Mayo were four up like get up off him like I mean that I was know, completely look, it ha- wrong it, ha- it has to be called out because it's yeah. nonsense like, wrong and it, then he wouldn't let go of his jersey even when they broke when they were broken apart yeah. and they were back on their feet he's still holding the chap's jersey and Sean O'Shea is trying to hit his hand to get him off like what are you doing Durkin stop that now like, yeah, I, mean, no, I, I think that there's a there, there's a job really the officials at times uh, let too much of that go like very often you see it where there's guys making runs off the ball they're getting pulled and dragged or dragged to the ground and this is going on not just at the latter stage of the game it goes on a good bit during the course of the game and linesmen then call the referees and they book the two men Yeah, and it's absolutely ludicrous because look in all reality Why is Sean O'Shea holding yeah. him at that point of the game? Like I mean Durkin's getting a black card there and he's off the field is the solution to that It's like, the only I mean, way and Lee Keegan is an awful man for it and he he, he, he sails very close to the wind he's been caught a couple of times this year with his indiscipline and Look, in most of these games, he's getting away with a fair bit. Yeah, yeah, off the ball. Quickly, there, I want to pull you up before we get into performance at the weekend. You say Clifford double bounced it. It's just after coming into my head, he didn't catch the second bounce. Is that a foul? Yeah, has is to it? Be. Yeah, I didn't think it was. But sure, just because you punch it, I mean, he didn't lose possession. He he bounced it. He kicked it back up to his hand and tapped. No, it away. no, he, he took he, he soloed the ball on the run in. He took a hop, then he hopped it again, and rather than catching it, he punched it to. But but to me, as very often in these situations, as soon as it leaves your hand with a hop, it's the second hop. It's you the reckon? second hop. Yeah, yeah. like because the rule I think is that you can hop it basketball style as long as you, you don't catch do it again. Yeah. But he po- bounced it once and then bounced, caught it and then bounced it again. Yeah. So just because he doesn't catch it the second time, it's the still, act of bouncing it yeah. the second time yeah. is a double bounce, yeah. right? Okay. Well, that's uh, glad you cleared that one up. I'll have to double check. I, I may or may not know the rule. <laughs> <laughs> the stats don't lie, right? Okay. Right. We'll be back with Paddy Power performance of the weekend. When your legs don't work like they used to before 
I was actually coming home on Saturday morning and I had the podcast on from Newbridge all night and that that helps the journey to be honest if I'm if I ran out of Ed Sheeran songs depends on mood I'm in <laughs> Ed's good for uh, if you're in a sappy mood Ed's good to <laughs> sing along to you and then if you're in a GA head mood which I am probably most of the week then I turn these boys on darling I will be loving you Paddy Power performance of the weekend. I have to start with Ushin Gallen. Um, Keen broke your heart. He's only 18, 19, depending on which uh, match report or uh, article you read. So he got four points from play, and all four were spectacularly good points in their own rights. And all seemed to be, most of them were for the same, from the same side of the field, which would be his wrong side, where he's able to pull it across. So the first point he got, they were eight points down at that stage. It was their first point from play. So immediately, you've got a young fella like that saying, give me the ball, I'm going to stick it over the bar into Hill 16, when we're eight points down. His second one was probably technically his most difficult one, where he's looping around. He's actually running away from the go- ball, the goal and he hooked it he was he generated the power to hook it back over the bar impossible to mark a po- or block down a point like that because he's running away from it. you often see it in hurling where they're running away and they throw it up behind them yeah. it was a technique that's very difficult to do to get that over generate the power to do that his third one um his third point was his, the first point they got in the second half. So they got them back off the mark with a lovely one from over the right-hand side of the field. And the last one was probably the most spectacular. It was the one that put one in it. So he had a hand in the goal too, the lovely little catch, hand pass, layoff to Murphy. For a young fella like that to be making that, we uh, talk about Clifford and we talk about Sean O'Shea and we talk about this performance really has made me think this fella is a starter for Donegal now Oh yeah well it was sensational and he was brilliant against Kildare in the previous round as well Yeah and he's the look of a gooch about him or so I know it's a red hair but he's that kind of wispy kind of yeah, look about him He's got he's got a nice uh, yeah he's sort of elusive in that he's, yeah. he's really good on his feet and like me defenders were struggling to make physical contact with him in terms of when he got possession he was able to just turn away from the tackle but he was always protecting the ball so even I think I can't remember if it was, if it was the, I think it was the last score where he got it and he, he did what you would expect he's out in the right wing he's trying to step in onto his left but it, immediately the mid defender had that covered and he just spun around protected the ball and and clipped it over if he had turned his body towards the mid defender to step back chances are he's in physical contact and yeah. look he's a light guy that's but instinct isn't it yeah, it's, it's knowing just, what to do it's just a clever player getting yeah. away from getting away from tackles and his finishing was really good now he had he had two attempts before he got his first score that both kind of tailed off a little bit and dropped short so like it takes fair uh, it takes fair guts to to keep pulling the trigger like particularly as a young player um and when your team is kind of well behind the pressure is on you need scores you have you know lots of players dropping shots short and then you come up trump so look it was just it, it from a when you take all of the factors into account, it was a magnificent performance from him. Magnificent, absolutely magnificent. From the Mead side, like, I mean, you must be very encouraged with Mead after seeing that game. Again, that was the first time I saw them. I thought they were excellent in the first half. And like we said at the start of the show, should really have been well in front. If Newman had just known where he was a little bit better, because he didn't need to be inside the yeah. box before that. If, like, step out, he's experienced enough, kind of... That was a mistake, really, from him. 
because it was a good ball by McMahon McMahon wouldn't have minded if he was one foot behind he was yeah. giving it across or he could have ran at it um, then his other point and a couple of other ones you know you had Killian O'Sullivan Brian McMahon running off Newman and they looked like they had a very good system a very good style of play almost like old Mead traditional values and really blitzed Donegal out of it yeah, well, uh, look, to be honest, it, it was a fairly noticeable change from all of Mead's other games, if I'm honest, really? in terms of the level of kicking. Mead, that's, Mead kicked the ball from from the middle sector of the field, I'd say, twice as much in the game the other day as right. they have in all the games I've seen so far, just because they were playing against a team who were playing in a more expansive manner. So, look, th- when it's on, Mead wanted to deliver that ball in, but they've been playing against Fermanagh and some of these other defensive teams where the kick pass isn't on. But, yeah, look, Mead really could have had a few more scores on the board they looked very dangerous in the first half playing that sort of counter-attacking style where they're moving the ball by the foot very quickly um, Donegal really just got on top of them in the second half yeah. particularly and retained possession very well and didn't give Mead a platform forced Mead back and Mead were never really able to get that territory again into the game where they were able to get that sort of the link from back to front much like um, Kerry's struggle against Mayo that they, they kind of lost the half forward line a bit uh, Brian McMahon going off was a loss because his mobility uh, and pace across the half forward line he was linking the play really well in the first half so he went off with a hamstring injury and just you know he was on his game so he was a bit of a loss um, He's better on the wing than in the corner isn't he? he yeah seems he is to yeah. Be yeah, look, a little he, bit headless in the corner and, or not not at that top level but then the, he's on just the wing quite, he can he's just, just run quite light so that yeah. when, when, when it's in the physical contact context or contact in there like it's very difficult for him to break the break the line but when he's out in the sort of middle third of the of the field he's elusive and he's he's got a brilliant turn so he can he can contribute a bit more but look in the first half particularly Michael Michael Newman had a brilliant game and look even in the second half he was still winning the majority of the ball that went into him it was just that it probably only came in two or three times in the second half yeah he was still doing well on, he on was, yeah. McGee like he, had ah, he won every McGee. ball that went in there yeah, every yeah. ball and like people wonder what's changed with me this year he's a massive difference but he's Huge. been an excellent yeah. player like he was doing it in the Leinster finals against Dublin bloody 10 years ago like I mean you ah, know, he's, he's a very a, good player very yeah. very good player and he's that focal point that every team can work off and like there's your kind of starting point I did think that with Mead and Donegal with Leitrim and Derry and with Kerry and Mayo and maybe it was just the way the games were all going but it looked like the bigger physical team wore the other team down they looked like Mead ran out of ideas Leitrim ran out of ideas and Kerry kind of ran out of ideas wasn't that it once yeah, that? That, that that sort of is the reality if you can't get territory in a game like if you're if you I think that the biggest factor is that Mead really could not win a Donegal kickout in the second half, whereas Donegal were able to win a couple of Mead kickouts and they were able to get, you know, keep the pressure on, keep territory there, give their backs a bit of a breather and just play the game in Mead's half. And they were able to get some scores out of that, whereas Mead were never able to get up the field, get a score, reset and press press the Donegal kick. Yeah, it didn't now, seem like that. So, so that sort, whether that was an energy thing or whether Mead just took a step back a little bit, I'm not so sure. You would have to give credit to Sean Patton on the Donegal kickouts because in the second half particularly, he bombed a few very, very long kickouts probably over a Mead press and Donegal were able to win the break and they were 80, 80 metres up the field so yeah. Mead just weren't able to do that in the second half and it, it only takes one or two of them in a game to just give you that platform and you get a score and you get your you know, you get your bit of confidence and energy back into the yeah. team. I'm wonder- I was talking about last week about how 
Donegal are missing so many of their forwards and Mead had a great chance now I'm looking at Jungle O'Donnell who I wasn't sure about but I am now he, yeah. he has everything yeah, that, yeah. Gallen is a great player now I'm thinking only McNeilish is guaranteed to get back in here maybe Langan might get into mid, might fight for midfield but the, Donegal never panicked they got themselves back in the game just played their way back into the game I think that there was a slight there was a bit of a win there because they ran it so much more Murphy came out in the first half and then he stayed in the second half and they've got a great variety to their game like I mean Donegal are a very very serious serious team they are and I thought one of the key substitutions actually at half time Leo McLoon went off and uh, Eamon Doherty, Doherty came on came on. And he Doherty, man-marked O'Sullivan yeah, he mar- yeah. man-marked Killian O'Sullivan and like he really just he he made it quite difficult for Killian O'Sullivan to get into the game and I thought he did a really good job on him in ter- terms ba- of stifling yeah. that threat and Owen Bangalore had been marking him and then that freed Owen Bangalore up to actually burst forward, forward so that was yeah. a good dis- that it was, was a, a good, good move yeah. a good move you know so like I mean they deserve a lot of credit for that um, Michael Murphy look we've said enough about Michael Murphy we don't need to say any more but he was an outst- <laughs> he was outstanding in that second half yeah, he like, was, and rid- he was is ridiculous McGill is a good yeah. player he is a good player you know yeah. and he's a highly rated full back and you've no, you've no answer for Murphy when he's in that kind of form you know um, and he well, he should have been sent off probably Murphy a bit like Aidan O'Shea but like there's an element of these lads they're bullies on the field yeah they are yeah. they're just bullies that's the only word to describe them they're fouling a lot they're getting in your face there's something going on with Aidan O'Shea and Tommy Walsh they don't, either don't like each other or don't know what it is but there's stuff going on off the ball with those two down in Tralee and again at the weekend Aidan O'Shea's right in Walsh's face but Aidan O'Shea's in a lot of lads faces he's like transformed himself into a dominating midfielder which we all know Aidan O'Shea is that but the, ga- the gas thing about Aidan people who give out about Aidan O'Shea he was outstanding yesterday bullied them a winner drove his team on there's no analysis of that yeah. he'll play if the minute he's a bad game it's highlighted he's what, wrong with Mayo he'll have nine good games and the one bad one he's lynched and the, the, all the weasels who criticise Aidan O'Shea stay very very quiet after Aidan O'Shea played yesterday and led his team to a win yeah, well, it's interesting, sort of, the, the big-time leaders sort of uh, really kind of stood up at the weekend in terms of Michael Murphy and Aidan O'Shea for their teams. Like, they've for so long, they've been sort of the, the leaders of their team and the most recognisable player. But there's a reason for that. Like, yeah. You know, they're just phenomenal performance from Murphy in, a, in an attacking point of view in terms of getting scores, but also then out around the field. Just, yeah, just, you know, just, you know, getting stuck into a few lads and holding on to possession when he needed to... Doing what doing what needed to be done at the time, just off his own initiative. Like I mean, he's he's round long enough now. He was able to use that experience, and you can see that what it does is when he's taking on that mantle and when he's doing that, it frees up the rest of his team to just not have to think too much and just play a bit of football. And yeah. they have talent. Yeah, as ironically, Michael Murphy did all his good work in his best position, full forward, and Aidan O'Shea did all his good work in his yeah. best position in midfield. It's not rocket science, is it? No, it's not that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Mick O'Dwyer always played the players in their best positions no, no trying to be fancy and converting fellas he just played you in your best position although he played me full forward a bit which wasn't my best position but you in general well, you played well there against me the few the times time, I remember the odd, yeah. the odd time yeah had something about me where I used to play well against him Shane McGuigan outstanding in the second half he hit five from play he looks like a real real good quality player huge long distance raking points where 
they take ages to drop down like I mean big cur- he puts a huge amount of curl on the ball Endel Lynn was outstanding in the first half got three from play and he got, mysteriously got taken off early in the second half I would have been a bit put that, out if I was there's that ageism again <laughs> maybe it is but he was all over the place in the first half and Leitrim couldn't handle him at all so they were the two standout players uh, Chrissy McCaig obviously in the second half was brilliant as well driving his team forward uh, but th- th- these are division 1-2 level yeah, players you know division McC- 1 Chrissy McCaig is composed, yeah. composed yeah. just yeah. on a different level Dermot O'Connor um, incredible second half captain no three cheers from Kerry in the speech which I liked let's move on from tradition nobody cares about that anyway it's just silly it's almost embarrassing to the losing team anyways I, I like I mean have you ever lost being on the field it's, it's almost like in a sneery way a lot of the time I think that needs to be done away oh, with well, it's just the way it, yeah look it, it's not meant in that manner but that's what it feels it like it can feel there, like yeah, that yeah. and it can even feel like it for the for person saying I've said it as captain for Port Leash on a few occasions and it you never really well, feel see, right well, saying you see, it the, the problem is you're after winning and you're delighted so you're saying all this with a big smile in your face and all your supporters are in the crowd and they're yeah. still there and they're delighted and they have big happy heads on them you know che- you know, giving the three cheers yeah. down to the, the losing disconsolate team on the pitch it doesn't feel nice no it definitely doesn't feel nice Dermot O'Connor he scored 1-2 he conceded 1-1 you know what I mean so like yeah. I mean that needs to be pointed out as well he, he, they did concede 1-1 but his 1-2 won the game uh, pretty much because uh, although um the two points he scored were out of the very top drawer and then the goal was when they really needed it. Yeah. The two... Well, it's uh, Carr. Carr I was, that's what I was saying. His ability to kick points from play and Carr kicked two sensational points from play off both sides. I'm yeah, interested he, in him. He, he looked like he had a bit about him. He definitely added a lot. He added a bit of physical size and a bit of pace to the Mayo inside line which in fairness to them over the last number of seasons they probably haven't just had that sort of... Um, pace and dynamism in there because they had Killian O'Connor and Andy Moore and so I think he was a, he was a bit of a nice mix in there and he's got a good size to him too and he sh- like showed he was able to kick points off Twice both feet off yeah. both feet and had a bit of control over it and Mayo need that because we were talking about who's put up their hand last Thursday for that full forward line and Kevin McLaughlin looks like the yeah. one who's done it more it's, than anybody it's else. An, it's amazing though and the, the Mayo kind of the, the first few league games there was different guys looked really good and then they had the lull period in the in the middle of the league where it was like oh geez, none of these lads are up to much yeah. and then all of a sudden they've new players have, have, have done well for them near the end of the league so like James Horn could not be happier I'm sure with how the league campaign has gone they've played loads of different players. Yeah definitely winner of performance of the weekend is Matthew Ruan. Um, he's been defined of the league he's been defined of the league across every single team like I mean this fella pace he's dynamic he's got an engine that just doesn't stop running he's fearless like he's hitting this championship and scoring goals he got him against Kerry down Killarney got another one he, he's he's just uh, like he doesn't care what the occasion is he just goes out and play that game and I think Mayo will put him on Fenton when they play Dublin because he's got the actual stamina that could potentially stay with Fenton and actually give Fenton one or two things to think about because midfielders hate marking each other he goes forward uh, a lot and he's just has that kind of first year I'm going to play with complete reckless abandon and I'm not unfazed about everything I'm, I'm not afraid of any other team he's a big man himself and O'Shea know each other well they complement each other really well because Aidan O'Shea doesn't, want, doesn't need to do the legs kind of work now Aidan O'Shea is kind of like a midfield general bullying people around the place while Rowan goes off and gets a couple of points or a goal and a point He's been outstanding and while maybe he wasn't man of the match in a general sense he's definitely performance of the weekend because he deserves it. Yeah he was brilliant and he's had a brilliant league campaign. 
yeah, he's just even against Dublin when Mayo were well beaten, he still came out of the game with a bit of credit. Um, you know, he was still trying to drive forward and make things happen. So, look, and again, another goal against Kerry this weekend. So he's uh, he certainly come up trumps against Kerry for them in the in the league campaign, and he's a huge find for them going into championship. Huge find, and just with the way he plays the game as well, that sort of you know driving forward, attacking, running, and that sort of adventurous style. It kind of suits the manager that he has as well. You can yeah. just imagine that James. Horan is saying look Aidan will sit you just keep bombing on and bombing on and that's what suits Mayo best because it suits the players they have and James Horan is in like he's the perfect manager for that group of players yeah no I completely agree and Tom Parsons is coming back which he thinks he's going to be back for the first round of the championship how he'll what kind of form he'll be in but he'd be another option for them there in midfield if they did want to put Aidan O'Shea in the forwards I don't think they should now I think they should leave Aidan O'Shea as that midfield general and let him do that by all means, for five minutes, let him into the full forward line. Bring him back out. Make the other team wonder what's go. What are Mayo doing here? Like, I mean, you know, it doesn't always have to be right. You're there, and that's it. That's yeah. our tactics. Just like play around with it. And I think Horan um, will definitely do that. But yeah, Ruan, absolutely outstanding. Incidentally, he won an All Ireland under twenty one in two thousand sixteen, and then he was underage again the following year in two thousand and seventeen. So he's only twenty three this year. So he's probably still only twenty two. But like, what was Stephen Rocher doing the last couple of years? Not getting this lad in there, or maybe he. Went Went in for trials. I'm not too sure, but anyways, he's performance of the weekend. So congratulations to Matthew. Right, that's all we've time for. We're going to be back on Thursday where we'll be previewing the biggest league final of them all. It's the Division Three final between Leash and Westmead. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and. Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f- shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.